According to the National Center for Drug Abuse, over 165 million Americans ages 12 and up are currently abusing drugs or alcohol. Of those 165 million Americans, there is a mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, husband, son, daughter, or grandparent praying and pleading that they would stop. Addiction is a subject most people don't like to talk about and is kept behind closed doors. But the Finding Hope podcast will bring light to the subject and give families that are living in shame, guilt, hopelessness, fear, worry, and anger, tools and education to find strength, peace, happiness, joy, and hope. Hello, I'm Amy LaRue, Finding Hope Coordinator for Hope is Alive Ministries and your host for this Finding Hope podcast. At Hope is Alive, our mission is to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. We do this through our intentional next level sober living homes and faith-based support groups for the loved ones of addicts called Finding Hope. Thank you for joining us today. On this episode, we will hear from a mom, just like many of you listening today, who raised her family in a loving, caring home with God in the center. But addiction still made its way in her home and family. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us today. I truly believe that what you have to share with our listeners today is going to be so powerful and so many people are going to learn and lean in and listen. And so let's not make them wait any longer. Let's jump right in. Chris, can you share a little bit about yourself? Yes. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to share what God has done in our lives. Um, so I was born and raised in Wichita, Kansas, met my husband in college. We both went into the teaching field. We had four kids and it was our um, passion to raise them in a God-loving home. We mm-hmm. were both committed to our faith and we also wanted to raise our kids to know him and follow, to know God and follow him. And we weren't perfect by any means, but we thought, you know, this was the recipe for success and we would all live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately that was not the case. Mm -hmm. So Lexi, the oldest of our four children, when she was in high school, she started to struggle and she had some strikes against her. She was diagnosed with type one diabetes as a young child and when she got to her teenage years she began to rebel against taking care of herself she didn't want to be different and she was also having some mental health issues she um, was later diagnosed with borderline personality disorder but at the time we just didn't really know how to help her and she started turning to smoking marijuana to cope with her her struggles And at the time, we honestly didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, a lot of people smoke pot, Mm -hmm. but we didn't know at the time that a certain percentage of people have brains that are predisposed to becoming hijacked by substances really quickly. And unfortunately, she was one of those people that drugs just took a hold of her brain so fast and she became really dependent on them and it started playing out in a lot of rebellion. When did you recognize that she was becoming more and more dependent on the substances? Well, it, it, 
was probably her junior or senior year. Her senior year, we really realized we needed to, to get her away because her health was failing and her diabetes, um, which is kind of a life or death situation, was she was really struggling and caring mm-hmm. for herself. So we got her to a teen challenge boarding school in Kansas City for her senior year where she did really well, but she was forced to do well. Mm-hmm. So as soon as she was out of there, she realized that she had a lot of fun that she missed out on that year and she wanted to make up for lost time and mm-hmm. quickly spiraled downhill and then for years just floundered in her battle with addiction. So how did you know, you know, you said you sent her to Teen Challenge her senior year. How did you know it was more of she became dependent on that substance rather than just a teenager being rebellious because you know you and I both know like we hear this oh they're just being rebellious this is a phase they'll grow out of it was there any evidence that you saw that may have um helped you guys make that decision that oh she is definitely dependent on the substance it was a really hard thing to know but um when we found her using drugs by herself in our basement bathroom. I think Mm. that was a really big sign that this was more of a problem than we wanted to accept. So, yeah. And so what have, did you learn through her addiction? As you sent her to teen challenge, she comes back, she was doing okay. Then all of a sudden, nope, I'm going to go, I'm going to be rebellious. I'm going to continue this makeup for lost time per se. Maybe that's kind of what you were saying. So what was your biggest lesson through all of this? Well, I really wish that we would have had a Finding Hope group mm-hmm. in our area at the time. And that's why my husband, Mike, and I are so passionate about leading a group so that we can support people going through this with their loved ones because we didn't have anywhere to turn. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one thing that was super instrumental was we ended up speaking with a pastor And he just looked us right in the eyes and said something that struck us. And he said, maybe this isn't about fixing your daughter. Maybe God is wanting to work on you in this situation. Mm, That's hard. How how did you guys respond to that? Well, it really did change our perspective. And we started to think about, rather than spinning circles around Lexi, trying to fix her, you know, how could we work on ourselves and how could we just learn to rely on God? How could we work on our relationship with God and grow in our relationship with him um, rather than being so um, overwhelmed with our daughter? And it was really a paradigm shift for us. I have a question real quick. So many times people, were you angry at God? I hear that a lot. Like I, I was angry at God you know, if someone's out there listening and it's like, and they feel like the anger at God, what, you know, how would you respond to someone that says something about that? There are definitely times I was frustrated because I just didn't understand. And I guess one time that I really remember I was, I was angry because our prayers didn't seem to be getting us anywhere. It Mm. was, it had been years and we had been praying so hard. My family had been praying. Our friends had been praying. And here she was still in living in addiction. She'd been to treatment. She'd really tried to get help several times, but she just was still 
struggling and I just felt like our prayers were pointless. And that is when I just felt led to just pray the Lord's prayer mm. and use Jesus's own words. Absolutely. Because that was all I could use. And that was, that was to me, that became a really helpful thing. So what did you learn as you shifted, you know, your prayer life? And I think that many people out there listening is like, everyone was praying. Why isn't God answering our prayers? You know? And I think so many times we want to answer just like that. Right. And, um, there's been times where I struggle to even pray and, but I know the power of prayer and how important it is that I've had to rely on other people to pray for me because I know the power, but then you're like, okay, I'm going to shift and see what God's word has to say. See the prayers in the Bible. And so you said you shifted and started to pray the Lord's prayer. We talk about how that was instrumental to your own recovery. Well, I mean, just the beginning of the prayer, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And even though sometimes I was having trouble meaning those words as I said them, I prayed them in hopes that they would become true because I realized my prayers weren't just to be about me offering all of my requests to God, but it was me submitting my will to God's will. Oh, that, that's a hard one for a lot of people, right? Submitting our, you know, knowing God's will isn't our will. Exactly. Right? And, you know, we think we know, see the big picture. We know Lexi the best. We know this, you know, um, but praying that over and over because, you know, it's in God's, it's in the Bible. Right. We know it's, you know, we pray that over and over. And so it can speak truth to us. And through that, um, so what happened as you continue to pray this and submit to God's will? So it really helped us. We eventually developed this mantra, let God work. Mm. And we realized that we're not God. We cannot control the situation, but God created Lexi. God loves her more than we do. He has the ability to change her heart. And so praying this prayer would constantly remind me of that. And then just leading into the next part of the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. You know, that meant a lot more than just physical bread. I needed spiritual nourishment mm. every day. And that just became my prayer to God is please help me to get through this day. Give me the strength I need in this situation. Give me wisdom here. Give me patience. Give me what I need just to get me through. And every single day he provided exactly what I needed to get through. Wow. And then the prayer goes on, forgive us our debts. Tell us more about that. Right. I mean, I sure messed up a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> and needed a lot of forgiveness. And we had conflict in our marriage. We had conflict with others. There was a lot of anger towards other people in our lives. And so to have the attitude of grace, that was also something I needed. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think that's hard sometimes in the midst of these storms to realize, to look at ourselves and see our own flaws. Cause we we're seeing it so much in other people mm. is to realize, okay, I need that forgiveness still every single day. And I need to ask for that forgiveness through this. And I need God's grace mm -hmm. through all of this. So did anything else stand out to you through this prayer that you continue to pray? Well, really the ending, um, 
lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that is where I just prayed because this was such a spiritual battle. And I saw, you know, the enemy just having his clutches in her daughter and just praying constantly to be delivered from that evil for her to find freedom was my constant prayer. And eventually he did. Do you want to share with our listeners and the rest, you know, how did he deliver her from that? So she was living in a pretty bad place in this house in a bad part of town, no electricity, no running water. And we'd really had to detach from her because we'd, the last time we'd been with her, a bunch of cash we'd found missing. And mm-hmm. so we really, especially Mike was adamant that this was time just to detach and wait for her. And once again, let God work. And then she came to us and she said, mom, dad, I am going to get out of this situation. She said, I know you're not going to believe this, but I found this Bible and I've been reading these verses. And she started reading us verses from Mm -hmm. Galatians. And she said, you really have to hear this verse in the Psalms. And it's Psalm 65, four. And it said, blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. And she said, I have been chosen for good things and I'm just living in the squalor doing nothing and I'm going to get myself out. You don't even have to help me. Wow. So, but of course we did. We jumped in, we um, got her things and moved her back home. And then on her own, she did some research and she ended up applying for a discipleship training program with youth with a mission. They had a program that was about to start in a couple of weeks in Kansas city and she applied, she got in and she just was on fire for changing her life and living for God and sharing her story in any way she could to help other people. Yeah. And so I heard you say before all that happened, you guys had to make that decision to detach. And I think that's so hard for everyone, you know, for our listeners to detach because it doesn't feel natural, right? Like, you know, you know, no, like a mom, I can't imagine right. having to detach, you know, you remember her first step, you remember all these first things. And here's my child, she's living in this dump per se, right? Yes. And like, I can't go rescue her. You know, I've got to detach right. because if I go rescue her, how is God going to be able to rescue her? You know, I've got to, I love that mantra, let God work, step away so that God can do his work. So she goes to Kansas City and she's in this program. Um, What happens next? So it was pretty awesome because at that time I felt like God was saying, maybe I wanted you to go through all of this, all of these trials, so I could show you a miracle. Mm. And it was just overwhelmingly amazing. It was just really a period of joy for about six or seven months when we just saw our daughter healed Mm -hmm. and um, unfortunately she came back from her mission trip and was trying to kind of figure out what the next step is because that's Mm -hmm. what we're doing a lot is with our addicted loved ones is you know okay what's next what can we do next to help you stay clean Mm -hmm. and stay healthy and stay sober And she did great for a while, but then her idea was to help a friend of hers who was struggling with drugs. And we were super cautious about that and warning her, 
to really think twice before she jumped into that. And we prayed about it. And she was just absolutely certain. She said, I'm never going back into that drug lifestyle mm. again. You don't have to worry. Well, here's where we know again that addiction is not a choice. And mm-hmm. she hung out with this friend a couple of times and the triggers were there. And somehow she ended up one time being offered marijuana again, and it just immediately grabbed her brain. And we just saw the disease take hold. We had to stick to our boundaries because that was something we had set was, you cannot live in your, under our roof if, if this is your lifestyle. And so she moved back to Oklahoma with a friend and we you know, just kind of watched from a distance. Of course, we were really saddened but also hopeful because we had seen what God could do with our daughter. And we had hoped that this was just a little bump in the road and that it wouldn't be long before she would get things figured out. Absolutely. And I'm sure you guys wanted to go into that rescue mode again, you know, and I can't, you know, again, sitting back and watching and letting her go and letting her and seeing that her brain, like you're saying, this is a disease. It's, you know, and her brain said, oh my goodness, I've missed you. It's what it's saying. Yes. Like, do you remember me? I make you feel better. I make you not, you know, you can survive, thrive with me. You know, this, you need me to survive in this world is essentially what our addicts brains are telling them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know that's coming from the enemy, but that's what their brain says. Even that first taste after, you know, some sobriety, mm-hmm. it sounds like. So, um, she tells you she's moving to Oklahoma and, you know, you're just continuing to pray and, you know, knowing that God can do mighty things and, um, probably still with that, let God work, correct? Exactly. So what happens after she moves to Oklahoma? So that is exactly what we did. We just went back to our prayers of praying for God to, to work in her life and, on January 2nd, I she she was missing us. And so I went down and spent a day mm-hmm. with her. And we just had the best day talking about her future and what God wanted to do with her. And we prayed together. And I left feeling really hopeful mm-hmm. and drove back to Wichita. But it was two days later on January 4, 2018, that God chose to rescue her from this earth. And she passed away. And I'm sure, you know, through that, through losing her and his rescuing her from this earth, from this battle, how did you guys grieve through all of that? You know, you saw her, him rescue her once already in, you know, with the Bible going up and doing missions and your prayer and you we're very hopeful that that's how he would probably rescue again, but that wasn't God's plan, was it? And so how do you guys go forward from, you know, that January 4th when you got that news? It was totally devastating. I mean, I almost felt like God had betrayed us. Like he Mm -hmm. gave us all this hope and then what? (laughs) I don't understand. And it really did bring me back to the Lord's prayer, God, not my will, but thine. The words that Jesus prayed himself at the cross. Mm-hmm. And 
it was not easy. It was, we'd been through a lot of pain through Mm -hmm. our journey, but this was pain that I had never known. It was indescribable. And that is when God brought us back to that verse that she had found when she was in her darkest place, Psalm 65, four, blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. Mm -hmm. And somehow we had missed that phrase to dwell in your courts. And the last part, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. Suddenly we saw this verse in such a new light because now she was dwelling in his courts. She was being satisfied with the goodness of his house and the holiness of his temple. So God had given her that verse to rescue her from a dark place. And now he was using it for us to comfort us and to confirm um, where she was. Yeah. And we just recently had our hope after loss um, retreat and you are very involved in both finding hope and our hope after loss, which hope after loss is a support group for those who have lost someone due to this disease. And at this retreat, we talk about, we talked about God winks and how you've seen God through the loss. And we talked about being empowered by his love and using the love from our you know, your guys' loved ones to continue. And so how have you seen God working or how has he worked in your life through this loss? I mean, that is one thing I would just, I, I'm so thankful that God just pulled us close to them, close to him. And it was really important to not get caught up in my emotions because emotions are false and just to stay grounded in the truth and to stay grounded in his word. And I mean, that is probably my advice to anybody. If you just do stay grounded in him, he's going to reveal himself in amazing ways. And honestly, there have been times I've never felt so close to God, even through the death of my daughter, because he did show me one day as I was lamenting the fact that my daughter had had to suffer on this earth I was just asking God, why? Why did she have so many battles? Mm -hmm. And he just revealed to me, he had watched his son suffer. Mm. He suffered not just physically, but emotionally, the rejection of his people, the rejection of his best friends. And of course, crucifixion and death on the cross. And that just floored me that he he had watched his son and, and felt the same things and that he did it for me, out of love for me. And so even though it was incredibly difficult, God just really drew me close to him and revealed himself to me. I'll never forget the first time you shared that with me and just how powerful it is. And I hope our listeners were listening to that. Like we have so much suffering. We see so much suffering on this earth, losing your daughter, you know, but to know that God knows our suffering and has felt our suffering, his son, he knew the moment his son, he created Jesus for us and knew the suffering he was going to go through and watched him on the cross. You know, it's just to cling to that truth. And so how grateful I am that Jesus died on the cross. And, you know, he, like you said, for watched his son suffer for you and for me and for Lexi and for our loved ones and for everyone out there. And to know like the suffering 
we're on earth, but it's not going to stay that way forever. Right. One day, you know, as a believer, we get to rejoice in with our heavenly father, right. In, In that. And so, you know, I know that so many people just want to continue to listen and hear, but I just, just what advice or what would you share someone maybe who is listening? And cause we know, you know, I think that's the most fearful thing. Everyone I talk to is there, this disease is going to take them, you know, mm-hmm. and the truth is it can't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sitting, you know, I see it. I saw it that weekend at the retreat. So what would you share with people um, that maybe are fearful of that, mm-hmm. or maybe they have lost someone? What, what right. advice or what would you, what would you want to share with our listeners about that? Well, I just think it's easy to get wrapped up in our loved ones, physical healing here on this earth, because we want them to have a peaceful, happy life on this earth. We want them to stay free from trouble and stay out of jail and, and, and stay away from dangerous situations. But ultimately, we really need to always keep in mind their spiritual healing and their eternal salvation. And I just think we can't forget that. We need to keep that first and foremost in our prayers because the addictive lifestyle is pretty contrary to God's word normally, unfortunately. And I think that addicts and alcoholics and people who struggle with substance abuse feel a lot of judgment Mm. and maybe don't feel like God loves them. And we have to keep pouring that into them, that God does love them. God has a plan for their lives and just share truths with them from God's word to remind them whose they are. I think it's probably really easy for them to forget. And, you know, and I liked what you said, we need to be praying for their spiritual healing. You know, so many times we're praying, you know, for different things. Oh, let Oh, I hope they don't go to jail. I hope, you know, praying for that Lord watch over them so they don't do this or that. But ultimately you and I aren't promised tomorrow, right? Right. We're not promised tomorrow. And so, you know, our mission is, you know, is that spiritual healing, telling people about Jesus, telling him about his love and to shift our prayers to that. I think that is so important. And after you and I spoke kind of about that, I think actually at the retreat, my prayer has changed Mm -hmm. for my own kids personally, you know, um, they're young, you know, but it's, we need to be praying now and when they're 30 and when they're 40 or, you know, or if they take up, you know, to know that someday I will get to see them again in heaven. Yes. And so, um, Thank you so much. And, you know, I like to leave our listeners with a challenge. And so I'm going to use what you said that you and Mike, you know, lived by, and you probably still do, I'm assuming, is are you allowing God to work? You know, so I want you guys to think about that if you're listening. Are you allowing God to work? Are you in God's way? Are you trying to do God's work for him? And the answer is yes then ask God for that strength to step out of the way so he can do that work. You know, reach out to us, you know, findinghope.today. Reach out to me. We will get in contact with you so that we can work through this with you um, so that God can do his work. And I'd also encourage you to 
reflect on your prayer life. You know, Chris said she went to God's word. What did, what is God's word saying about prayer? What is what is modeled in in the Bible about prayer? And that's where she shifted her prayer is and you know, took it apart. I feel like the Lord's prayer like people a lot of people know the Lord's prayer, but it's really stopping and thinking of what are you praying and what does it really mean? What is God teaching us through this? And then remember, remembering to pray for our loved one's spiritual healing. So thank you, Chris. Thank you for your transparency, your vulnerability. And, you know, you just always come in here with a spirit of joy. And, you know, we just pray a blessing over you and your family. And I'm so grateful for, you know, all that you do for finding hope um, as a leader, hope after loss, and with Hope is Alive, our ministry. Um, you know, I've gotten to know you quite a bit over the last few years. And, you know, I know Lexi is smiling down at you and so proud of you for, you know, not not saying no to God, but saying mm -hmm. yes to God and using this to glorify him and to honor and remember Lexi as well. Thank you so much. Welcome. So thank you so much for joining us this week. You can learn more about Finding Hope at findinghope.today or Hope After Loss at hopeafterloss.today. But before you go, we would love for you to give us a five-star review, share this on social media, and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our next hope-filled episode. Thanks again for joining me, Amy LaRue, and our special guest, Chris, in this episode of Finding Hope. Remember, you are not alone. It's not your fault. There is hope. This episode of the Finding Hope podcast was brought to you by Hope is Alive Ministries. To learn more about Hope is Alive, visit our website at hopeisalive.net. If you are in need of immediate assistance, don't wait. Call us now at 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. That's 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. To find out more about Finding Hope and how you can get involved in a meeting close to you, visit findinghope.today.